and welcome back to this is not a history lecture wow today cat had a fun experience at her historic house yes. historic haunted house yes. now confirmed uh-huh we had um a couple visitors coming through today and one of them had the site and it was so interesting um it's always interesting she, yeah she knew yeah. stuff about the house before i even told her like mm-hmm. who was where etc cetera, etc cetera, who lived there like it was really really cool um so it was kind of reassuring. She was like, they're all really nice and they like you. And I was like, good. That, that's good, good to That know. makes me feel better about having to stay here after dark sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we had the exhibit opening last night. Yeah, I was going to ask you how that was. It was good. It was well, good. I was going to ask you and then you distracted me with ghost talk. Yeah. No, it was really, really good. Um, good. Who knows? Maybe all the ghosts were more active today because last night they had to share their space. I don't know. But You're like, get all these fucking people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, last night was really, really good. It was very successful and i saw two of our professors one from our history department oh uh yeah oh i, I don't know if i would recognize that man yeah i don't and if you've had his <laughs> class you probably wouldn't but yeah he had his mask on and i was like unsure but only few people have that stature so i was like are mm. you a professor and he's like yeah and i was like okay he wouldn't strike me as a man who would wear his mask no yeah <laughs> Yeah, it was very interesting. That's why I, like, double-checked, and I was, like, I tried to validate it and make it not uncomfortable for him by saying, like, you probably don't recognize me. It's been years since I took your class, but, yeah, you know, I really yeah. enjoyed it. And then he was, like, I really liked how you dealt with, like, the racial issues in town and wrote this section about that. And I was, like, Yeah, and your thank you. 30-page paper that he had y'all write or something yeah. stupid. I'm very glad I didn't take that class. Oh, I was talking about, like, the exhibit that we had. Oh, okay. Oh, he was, like, complimentary of, like, how we dealt with oh. the issue and, like, talked about gotcha. it and brought attention to I it. I thought you were so. talking about that one. No, although that, that was a wild ride. That was dumb and also stupid. Who, what other professor? Oh, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. A professor from our museum studies department. That totally makes sense that he would yeah. be there. Um, that's, yeah, that was my weekend, so how was yours? I'm proud of you. I was going to see if i could come but then i was like i don't know if it's like exclusive it was like members but i mean what my fellow intern like had her like boyfriend and family there so it's like it was one of those things like you could you didn't have to it and i wasn't sure what it was going to be like that's why i didn't really like talk a whole lot about it because i was like i was gonna ask you but then i saw your snapchat with like all the fancy like i mean it was like food yeah and i was like oh maybe it wasn't open to that because i was like gonna text you like oh hey like I'll show up. Yeah. But, um, I appreciate the support. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> I was like, it was one of those oh, things, like, got an exhibit. I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even sure what to expect. So that's why I didn't really like talk about it a whole lot. Cause I was like, I don't know. Is it in the house? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know what it's going to be like. I so. would say I would stop by tomorrow, but guess who has work <laughs> all day tomorrow? Oh yeah. How's, how's work going? Um, today wasn't too bad. I was there since nine. So that's a long day, yeah. but, um, it went by surprisingly fast weirdly i don't know some days you ever have those days when you're yep. just you're like oh it's already three yep and it's good and you're like yes get because me out of here it doesn't happen every time yes. um so it was one of those days my coworker, she said she did not have one of those days and i was like sucks for you yeah. <laughs> um and uh but it, it was fine I, I got to see um someone i used to who runs this program i used to be in so it was nice to catch up with him and then um I had to clean up after very messy children. Uh, are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He, I talked to him briefly about doing some collaboration, about the possibility of doing some yeah. collaboration stuff, he, and he was really, really chill. <laughs> well, 
now that I've said his name, Steven is always looking to collab with stuff. Like, he's very on it. He's, like, very type A. I need to, like, yeah. reach out to him. And his wife was super nice. She was telling me about, like, where she used to work. And she was really excited. she was to talk very to pregnant the last time I saw her. They, they had the baby now. Oh, yay. Yeah. And he's, like, he was laying there. And he's just, like, got these big old eyes. And I was, Aww. like, oh, he looks so freaked out. And she's, like, actually, we figured out that that's his, like, happy face. <laughs> <He's> just, <laughs> love like, it. He's just living life, like, looking at everything. I I'm, love like, it. That if I was a baby, I'd probably be looking at everything, too. And I'd be like, where are they taking me now? Look at all this new stuff to look at. I saw this TikTok of this kid, and it was so cute. It was like, they were on an escalator, and this kid... First of all, children, like, toddlers in glasses always gets me. So, like, already off to a good start. Mm-hmm. He was wearing glasses. And, and they're like, yeah, we're going up to the third floor. And he's like, this building has three floors? What a day! Aww, like, oh. so pure. I know. Uh, but yeah, other than that, I mean, I feel like I was going to tell you something about what happened at work, but I'm forgetting now. It must not have been that important. If you think of it later, we'll be together for a while yet, so I'm sure I was going to tell you something. I forget. It'll come up again, I'm sure. Yeah, well, Kat and I are recording and then going to get dinner because two hours together is not long enough. Yeah. Well, and we have a friend too. Yes. We haven't been able to see together. Like I, I grabbed breakfast with her yesterday yeah but she hasn't gotten to see kaylee in a little bit so we're gonna yeah so it'll be good to see her um emma we're gonna see you later yeah looking forward to seeing you yeah i know you're gonna listen to this i know she's gonna listen to this (laughs) so it was very lovely getting dinner with you emma yes (laughs) um but other than that i it's been it's been a week yeah lots of things have happened yeah and it's been a week but, but we're, we're back here and we're now. here to bring you more stories absolutely and i have a weird one and I also so does cat so it's gonna be a weird episode yeah so, so our emergency up. episode ended up rolling last week technically the 25th episode mm-hmm. we did but 25th planned episode was themed for medical curiosities yes so that's what we have for mm, you today. Very classic history term, curiosities. Mm-hmm. Well, mine is actually sometimes called, are you ready? <gasps> the Curious Case of Phineas Gage. <gasps> what? What a reveal. I had no idea you were doing that. Crazy. We have a list of all of our... Cat, I'm, literally, I'm literally being... I know. I'm telling our <laughs> listeners that we have oh, a yeah, list I of know. our future episodes. We have like planned out like um, two months from yeah now. because we realized we cannot accidentally do the same event ever and if we, and that's likely to happen yeah because we think the same sometimes yes we have like just diverse enough interest to where it's not likely but like but, like similar enough to where it could and sometimes we look on like day of like in this day in history amelia yeah. Earhart flew and if like we both found that out we would mm-hmm. both try to do an episode on it and yeah we don't and then we'd both show up and then it would be like awkward, awkward. <laughs> yeah oh but <laughs> yeah, so today my medical anomaly is Phineas Gage. Ooh, I is... know some things. I mean, I know what they what tell you What do you know? In, like... I, I'm always curious what you know about <sighs> something before I talk about it. Yeah, I know what they tell you in like like AP Psych, where it's okay. like he got the railroad spike in his head and then his like personality changed. Okay. And that's basically all I can remember. Okay, awesome. So... Well, this is also known as the American crowbar case, which mm. is not... It was just ironic because it's not a crowbar at all. Um, I feel like that has no relevance. Yeah, it's a misnomer. Um, And there's a lot of accounts. Because this was like such a revolutionary thing to happen in its own right, there are like multiple accounts from his doctor, 
Um, there's also accounts from like Gage himself and workers nearby when the actual event happened. The doctor was Dr. John Martin Harlow, who observed most of the medical and like procedural side of what happened to Gage. So mm. my story also has one doctor. Okay. That plays like a key role. Hmm. Got all got all those doctors who are a little in on it. Not in on it. He did not intentionally send uh, a railroad a piece honestly, of iron through Gage's head. At that point in history, he probably did it to someone. <laughs> They're like, we're gonna see what happens when we do this. <laughs> they would. Well, it was this one was definitely an accident. Um, the curious case of Phineas Gage begins. Well, technically, when he's born in July of 1823 in New Hampshire, but it, you know, he grows up with a family of farmers. He's raised on the family farm, and at some point, he gets into construction, which is where our story really begins. So, like Kaylee said, you hear about this like an AP psych because it is such a landmark psychology, neuroscience just case. Like, yeah, it, it was unprecedented. It's the 13th of September, 1848, and Gage is a foreman of a work crew with the Rutland and Burlington Railroad Company. They are constructing a rail bed, and in order to do this and level out the land, they need to use explosives to blow apart the rock to clear space and even out the land. The process is kind of weird. He's tamping down explosive powder into a hole for a construction project. You would drill a hole, put the charge in, pack sand over it so that the metal tamping iron that you were using mm-hmm. wouldn't come in contact with explosive material directly because okay. sand is such a it's so absorbent of shock yeah. and movement and stuff um and then you would tamp it down with uh, some sort of tool phineas gage had his own custom-made 13 pound uh iron rod known uh known as a tamping iron okay so, so he's like serious he's like this is my job yeah I've this is my his tools. whole job and he's okay. very good at it apparently he's one of the better foremans in the area and they're near cavendish vermont when the unstable substance detonates uh the metal bar he was using hit something wrong and it sparked just enough enough to set off the mm-hmm. charge it's not we're not sure some people said that he didn't use enough sand or that his assistant who was in charge of adding sand at all didn't add it and Gage didn't realize Mm -hmm. that it wasn't in there and went to tamp it down. Mm -hmm. But either way, um, his bar struck a piece of rock down in the hole and it ignited the gunpowder. And I saw an account that said it was towards the end of the day between four and five. Some people speculated that maybe he just wasn't paying attention as closely. It was later. But another account said that he had turned his head to look at other men on the project. I mean... If you're the foreman and you're, like, in charge of these other guys, yeah. you kind of keep an eye on them. Uh, someone said he looked away because they were loading the already exploded pieces of rock onto a cart. And that he just was looking away at the wrong time. Maybe missed his assistant not putting mm-hmm. down the sand, etc. And basically, the wrong gunpowder just explodes. And the tamping tool he's using is shot upwards with his face turned through his left cheek stripes strikes through an upper molar past his left eye and up through his brain and out the other side of his skull oh my gosh so like just cleared like straight up through his skull oh my god i just thought it was like (laughs) no no right where the hairline is and so it's in 40 we have european listeners so i have to convert things to metric um good for you the rod was i don't pay that (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think about it so every time i think about like 
statistics now. I'm like, oh, we have a listener in Germany. I got to do it. Um, um, that's very kind of you, Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was the Rod. Very was... inclusive. Thank you. I'm trying. I'm an American. It's inches. <laughs> well, I give it to both. So the rod itself was 43 inches, uh, 109 centimeters. So the by... thing that, no, the thing he's hitting it with. Yeah. The, okay. the, which is what Went was through blown his through his head. head. Oh, 43 inches. Yes. Oh my. No, it's a huge rod. And it's, I... the explosion is uh... so big, it, th- it sends it up through his head. Oh my God. It's it's a huge They're thing. They're putting that much gunpowder in that little I'll hole. I'll tweet out. Okay. I know we're trying to do better about yeah tweeting pictures there is one known photo of phineas gage which i will talk about later you've probably have and you can see the tamping iron with him in the photo oh my god and like it's huge it's huge yeah um it's 43 inches about 109 centimeters by 1.25 inches three centimeters and it is 13.25 pounds which is about six kilograms the force (laughs) of the explosion sends it not only through his head but landing about 80 feet, 25 meters what away. What the hell? After it went through I his know. head and lost all that momentum? Mm-hmm. Jeez. Witnesses say that... That's too much gunpowder. I know. I know. Like, what were you doing? <laughs> oh, my God. Like, even if you had covered it with sand, what was... Like, I guess you got to use a lot to blow apart rocks, but, like, damn. Jeez. Yeah. So, as you can guess, this is a little gross, but it's obviously smeared with brain matter. Yeah. Like... Yeah. I mean, if you think about what happens when you shoot someone in the head, like, there's blood splatter. There's blowback. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... And this man survived. That's crazy. That's... Uh. Well, it gets even crazier. Whoa. Because witnesses see it take part of his brain out with it. Oh, my God. And it throws him on his back. Yeah. Obviously, you drop. Duh. But this is the freaking insane kicker. He is fully cognizant, fully conscious never passes out oh my god what he, he is Even fully aware like, of what's happening like oh my god he's i know like, you would yeah, think blood loss would like, do it yeah or shock or something Anything. or just raw pain yeah but um apparently as he's laying on the ground he twitches a few times but even he claims like oh yeah i never lost consciousness in fact he walks and talks as they get him to a donk as to an ox cart to get him in town to a doctor he is Walking and talking, conversing with like, people. Well, oh my god! And I'm sure that like being in shock with the adrenaline and stuff was helping, like yeah. keep him alive. But that's crazy. He said to have this been. This man had a chunk of his brain missing, and he's just walking around. Yeah, and he said to that when the, the people said that they put him in the back of the ox cart, and he sits upright, doesn't slump over, doesn't pass out. He sits upright and just starts gonna... writing down in his book, his like foreman's book, keeping track of stuff. Oh my god. And I, I mm, yeah. Whoa. So I think medically everyone was like, this dude's dead. There's no hope. We're just going to give him the last few minutes of peace and th- let him think he's getting help or something. Because, yeah. I mean, they're also not going to try to fix anything themselves. They're not about to, like, try to perform surgery on a brain head wound on a construction site. So they didn't, I don't think they even tried to, like, cover the wound because it said that, he gets to a doctor and he leans forward to the doctor, which exposes this open hole in the top of his oh skull God. that is has pieces of brain matter and um, like bone sticking bits. out yeah. like a unicorn horn. Like, yeah. Um, just in his hair and around the wound. And he leans forward, shows his head to the doctor and says, here is business enough for you. Uh, 
Talk about a big energy. Okay, wait, what year was this again? Yeah, this is the actual explosion itself was 1848. Um, Could you imagine being a freaking doctor in 1848? And like the best you can do is like, I don't know, pour some whiskey on it. Yeah, like just be like, yep, I got this. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. I'm sure the doctors are like, he shouldn't be alive. Yeah. Because like if the blood loss or something should have done it or like, yeah, I'm sure. In, which is crazy. And the thing is. The second doctor that gets to him is Dr. Harlow. He, he gets to a first doctor first, but Dr. Harlow, who takes a lot of the accounts and is his doctor, uh-huh. is like a little kind of, I don't want to say a simple country doctor, but he's a simple country doctor. He probably, the worst he sees is, I mean, he, he, I'm sure he's seen awful things because country, yeah, it's like, folk, like and, you're yeah. getting in like industrial accidents uh-huh. out there, uh-huh. but I'm sure that he's like, well, what am I supposed to do with this man who's basically, yeah. if not dead now, it's kind of like a chicken with its head cut off where like yeah. the chicken doesn't realize it's dead for a second. You're just like, I'm running just around. sit around and it's like, do I just to... wait for him to die and like, yeah, hope that like I can make his passing more He's, I don't know yeah. what this poor doctor was thinking, but he gets to Gage Harlow, gets to Gage within a couple of hours after the accident and watches Gage, I cannot say Gage in, conglo- in combination with other words right now and it's throwing me off and I'm sorry. So if I stumble <laughs> my words, I apologize. But he apparently watches Gage walk himself up the staircase to a hotel room and lie on the bed and keep in mind, he's so covered in blood that I can like, just imagine like a doctor in A248 just being like... Huh, my good sir. Huh. How like are you walking? Hip, like you got the cowboy hat off. Like, huh? I, I can imagine the cowboy off pressed to his chest, going, "Well, Lord help us." <laughs> oh my lord! Yeah, um, I'm just envisioning this scene now. Okay, continue spinning your yarn. Well, no, I'll and keep imagining. Yeah, I I just don't know like how he even knew what to do because I'm sure he's never seen anything yeah. of this to actually treat before. This is not yeah. something they cover in medical school. Not in ancient forty-eight. And I mean, people with the injury like this are usually, like I said, they don't survive. So usually it's an undertaker Mm -hmm. doing this kind of work, like patching and cleaning a body. And this guy's like, well, by all means, he should be dead. I don't know how to do this. But, um, so this is like a little graphic, um, the next couple minutes. So I'm going, it's a recounting of exactly what the doctor did to try and say mm. to actually save gage so if you are squeamish like me skip ahead which is ironic because i have to talk about it so i can't skip ahead <laughs> uh, but yeah skip ahead a couple seconds if maybe a minute or so if you're squeamish so uh harlow shaves his scalp to get to the site standard practice even now and has to peel the brain matter and bone away from the site and he reaches fingers into Gage's head from both sides, the entrance and exit wound, to get the skull fragments ah! out. He said, let me get in there. One account, one person called it a Chinese finger trap of a skull. And I was like, almost oh vomited. My- I almost threw up. That. I, wow. I was, that is a metaphor. I, mm, I couldn't even, that like, That definitely is a metaphor it. that... Yeah. One person could make. Should you make it? No. I know. He no. got to both sides. Oh my gosh. Through, yeah. And Gage is still conscious. Yeah. Um, well, that's the th- and like brain surgery, they're like conscious. Well, they'll have like. Some of the times. I know. I've seen yeah. videos too where they'll have like a musician or something like play their instrument while to make sure they're not like interfering with the wrong part of the brain, which is so fascinating. But. Uh, um, do you imagine just being like someone's 
poking around. No, I literally would have died from sheer <laughs> disgust of someone poking through my head. That's and so, apparently, like, such an invasion of privacy. I'm like, get out of there. It's like, my brain. <laughs> apparently, he's really calm about it. The only problem is that he's having to throw up every half hour or so. Not because he's freaking out about what's happening, but because... It, don't tune in yet if you're not ready. Um, bits of blood and brain matter are sliding down the back of his throat yeah, and making him say. gag. Yeah. And I was like, Ugh! Okay, the worst of that Whoa. is over. That's pretty gnarly. Yeah, if you're if you skipped ahead, you found the right spot. We are safe-ish again. Um, the wound itself kind of bled on and off for a couple of days. Like he managed to stem most of the blood, which is impressive, mm-hmm. but it's in and out, which is terrifying enough because the doctor's like, I really don't get how you're still alive. <laughs> this it's is like, witchcraft. Bro, I was just doing all kinds of crap to your head. And I know. It's you, like you still breathing. Like that's weird as hell. Yep. Okay. <laughs> And he is even able to, like, during this whole process of getting his wound, um, not cleaned, but prodded from the inside mm, out, which is disgusting. That's a good word. Um, uh, he's basically, like, completely, mem- like, memory is uninhibited. He remembers who was on site with him. He's talking about it. He literally even says, like... Oh, yeah, I'll be back at work in a couple of days. I'm fine. And the doctor's like, you are not fine. What the hell? <laughs> um, he doesn't have vision in his left eye anymore. It's about half an inch stuck out of his head just because Ooh. of how swollen it is and how much blood there is and stuff. And I mean, which is fair because yeah. a metal rod went through your head. So like, no. Listen, that's, no the least, that's the least of his worries. Yeah, I know. But true to the Victorian era, if the original injury doesn't get you, the infection will. Hell yeah, it will. Uh-huh. And so it's what they think to be a fungal infection and an extreme swelling, which sort of happens again when he gets shot through the head with an iron bar. And it's so bad that it puts him in a half-conscious, semi-comatose state from September 23rd to October 3rd. Wow. And it's so bad that everyone starts to think, like, oh, he's going to die. They even measure yeah. him for a coffin. Uh-huh. As the last... A last-ditch attempt to help alleviate some of the swelling and pressure inside of Gage's head. Harlow goes up through his nose and punctures through some of the tissue to, re- like, drain the blood and the uh-huh, swelling and uh-huh, stuff. Uh-huh. Which is, I mean, a common practice to yeah. this day. Not through the nose, necessarily, but to mm-hmm. drain pressure. Um, but being bedridden has its own medical effects. Like, I remember when I was on bed rest after wisdom teeth, like... Just standing up after three days laying down, I was so dizzy yeah. just because, like, my equilibrium well, was Well, from everyone I've heard that has to be on bed rest, they're, like, bed sores? No oh, yeah. joke. Like, no, they're, yeah. They suck. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, there's those things that he has to get over as well as coming out of a semi-comatose state. Uh, poor guy. And it takes him a couple of days to get on his feet again, but he is by October 7th and by October 11th. His mental capacity is improving to, like, a fully functional, almost a fully functional level, according to Harlow's notes. What surprises a lot of people is that he didn't have any motor issues or speech impediments, Mm -hmm. and his memory and recall was completely fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, because I'm like, so a big chunk of his brain got taken out. I'm sure you'll get to this, but, Mm -hmm. like, those are all the things that the brain controls, and so you would think, like... Yeah. The likelihood of one of them getting damaged is very high. Yeah. And I know with him it was more personality, right? It becomes impulse control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, I went to the neurology, neuroscience, neurology, psychology side of this a little bit. And I will, we will remind you again, millionth disclaimer, not medical people. <laughs> yeah. We're just reading what we saw in an article. Yeah. So there were a lot of medical articles about it. Some of them were so cool and so good, but I also don't understand them because I yeah. don't understand a lot of that stuff. But I tried my best to understand them and interpret and 
I'll provide with you with some actual like direct quotes later to help the process. But there's a discussion now well, along the way, again, historiography is fascinating because along the way there were groups of people who were like, oh, it's not that, it wasn't that bad. They were over-exaggerating. Mm-hmm. There's other people who were like, well, that, like, that is literally a miracle. That's way worse than they were even saying. Like, to yeah. have that kind of injury would have, like, so there's a lot of discussion about whether or not it's as bad or worse than we thought originally. I mean, it sounds like objectively a freaking 43-inch pole went through his head. Yeah. So, so either way you I feel it, like, like that's pretty bad. I know, right? You... <laughs> Yeah. Um, Whether you interpreted it one way or another, the facts are a 43-inch pole went through his yeah, head. Yeah, you can't fight it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the doctor does note that he starts to seem like he's struggling with spatial reasoning and numbers a little bit. Uh, kind of like the sizing of objects, like a financial account. He was struggling with those things. And when he woke up, they kind of took inventory of what was going on physically with him he was completely blind in his left eye the left side of his face was kind of weaker but there wasn't like a permanent a permanent damage damage on that side of his face that we would you know Mm -hmm. infer would happen when you put a bar through your head Mm -hmm. um and about a month later he's on his feet again and leaving the house he's not totally independent they also sewed his left eye shut eventually they're like your sight's gone it's protruding it's probably best if we just do this um, so he moved in for a few months with his parents in New Hampshire to recoup and reheal, and they help him with the process. Always good to have supportive parents. The doctor checks back about a year later to see what the lasting damage there was. The eyesight is still gone, so that's when they were like, yeah, this is permanent damage. It's sewn shut. And, um, the superficial scarring, but mostly recovered. It is reported that he had a permanent hole in his skull, though. That makes um, sense, that was, yeah covered by a thin layer of skin I was gonna say it's of. like the baby the baby what is it called the what on the top of their head when they have like oh soft spot yeah when yeah they don't have their skull fully well formed. there's the movie what is the movie where they have to like go down into someone's brain you can see like pulsing below the surface i cannot it's a car- animated movie uh magic school bus <laughs> no it's something else Osmosis but like jones uh, no i'll think of it later but like it's interesting to me because he ends up kind of being a spectacle and apparently some people could like see his brain pulsing beneath the surface. Mm. I don't, that was like the claim to fame that he had, like see the man's brain functioning kind of thing. But like from the pictures of his skull, you almost wonder if that's true. Like if you, if you really could see it, especially if he let the hair grow back over it, which he did. Yeah. I, that sounds like some Victorian BS to me. Um, but Around this time, his friends start to kind of refer to him as no longer Gage hmm. because he's not himself anymore. He went from being a hardworking, nice, energetic, amiable person to not very likable, not being able to really hold down a job, being kind of a drunk, just layabout. Um, and he wasn't able to hold down a steady job. Oh, I already said that. Um, but he also couldn't return to his foreman job on the railroad project because they refused to take him back probably because of the attitude and changes mm. he was displaying. Yeah. Um, and he's said to have been horrible at keeping plans and relationships going that he was cursing and using some really intense profanity and, uh, just kind of like lost general respect with people. But I think it's also important to acknowledge there that like empirically, if you say like all of that is really hard to understand, exactly what that means because you can say like uh they were using crass language but what does that constitute does it mean saying oh bloody hell in front of a lady in proper (laughs) company or is it like dropping the f-bomb every three words you know like how about what level are we at yeah Yeah. um 
some claimed i mean the stories have been like super distorted over the years some people even claimed that he lived with the rod in his head still like that was like the Mm. myth going around in some of the newspapers and stuff you know we don't have the best most reliable reporting yeah not that we've gotten much better with our news sources, but um, <laughs> yeah. So doctors may have been romanticizing things, being poetic, over-exaggerating, mm-hmm. under-exaggerating, trying to diminish the effects, et cetera, et cetera. But Dr. Harlow took some detailed accounts of his personality changes and said, quote, he remembers passing an event, passing and past events correctly, as well as before as since the injury intellectual manifestations feeble being exceedingly capricious and childish but with a will as indomitable as ever it is particularly obstinate will not yield to restraint when it conflicts with his desires who regard him as the most efficient and capable foreman considered the change in his mind so marked that they could not give him his place again he is fitful irreverent indulging at times in the grossest profanity which was not previously his custom manifesting but little deference for his fellows impatient of restraint or advice when it conflicts with his desires a child in his intellectual capacity and manifestations he has the animal passions of a strong man his mind was radically changed so decidedly that his friends and acquaintances said he was quote no longer gauge end quote so so obviously like enough for a doctor to really note like this is bad behavior like he's losing friendships so you know that it wasn't just some lollygagging around and stuff like he was doing something wrong wrong Mm -hmm. um and i mean the animal passions of a strong man sounds like he's acting on instinct which would say something about impulse control being kind of inhibited but gage ends up traveling around new england and europe with his tamping iron um Uh as some kind of spectacle to earn money i mean when you can't get your old job back what do you do you gotta you gotta make it work yeah and guess where he goes with this human spectacle to earn money with a display Mm. where do people always go in the victorian era the circus which circus Barnum. Yep. yep. P.T. Barnum. <laughs> yep. Um, oh, my God. Our old friend P.T. P.T. Barnum. And we've said we'll do an episode on this before. Um, but we'll get around P.T. Barnum, it. like, kind of established the first concept of a museum. Yeah. At least how it is today. Yeah. So, like, it's... There were museums before P.T. Barnum, but yeah. they were very different. Yeah. Very different. There's something... Like, the common people could go to a circus. The common people did not go to museums before Yeah, this. museums so were like, reserved for, like, professors and mm-hmm. researchers and the academics. High and, and, yeah. Yeah. And they were, like, very long-winded. You would sit in front of a display case for, like, an hour while yeah, you someone didn't... told you about everything, a single thing. There was no yeah. plaques. There was no self-guided anything. Yeah. yeah. Cabinets of Curiosities had to be, done, like, taught by a curator. You'd, like, make an appointment, basically, mm-hmm. and have this old dude stand there and, like, talk to you about it. You couldn't, like, look on your own or learn anything. But P.T. Barnum also has a very nasty history of exploita- exploitation. Yeah, that so, guy like, sucks. Yeah. Um, very complicated <laughs> relationship with P.T. Barnum. Not a great guy. Um, the Greatest Showman is a great movie, but not a great guy. Um, but yeah, that did give um, Gage a place to go earn some money. And he bounced odd jobs throughout this time as well. Ended up working at a New Hampshire stable for a while and then driving coaches in Chile. What's notable about this is that one site I looked at kind of made the point that if he was able to like be a stagecoach driver he needed to be able to like plan and prepare things and have Mm -hmm. decent social skills which suggests that over those few years some of his skill and behavior Mm. came back that he either learned what was and wasn't okay 
or like yeah realized like i can't act like yeah yeah so he either taught himself again or uh-huh. like that part of his brain may have like yeah regenerate not regenerate it's i don't know if you can regenerate i feel like it's a lot brain, about but, learning how to act yeah like well and realizing too like if i don't have a job like if i'm not nice to people i don't get a job if i don't get yeah. a job i don't eat like yeah. you know that yeah. like do or die survival sort of thing but mm-hmm. either way he ends up doing that in chile for a while and then moves back in with his mother in san francisco when his health starts to suffer he ends up dying on May 22nd, 1860, when he was only 36 years old, um, about 12 years after this iron rod was sent through his skull. He mm-hmm. was having problems with epileptic seizures, and he was having a series yeah, of them when sense. he died. That yeah, sense, I yeah. mean, if you don't a die immediately. Your brain is gone. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, 12 years is a pretty good That's impressive. Deal. Yeah. Um, but after a period of longer observation dr harlow who's been checking in did note that gage had some intellectual kind of holdbacks that weren't totally like he wasn't incompetent by any means he was still functional and everything but he wasn't exactly like a great thinker anymore um he didn't quite have anything like dementia or deterioration but he did he just didn't have like he didn't have the full mental facilities yeah Yeah. um the doctor mentioned he almost seemed a little feeble in a way okay yeah so the modern medical understanding really starts to kick in afterwards. Seven years after his death, the body was removed from the grave, and both the tamping iron and his skull were taken to his doctor, Harlow. Through a series of events, both are now at the Harvard University School of Medicine. Mm-hmm. In 1994, a scientist, uh, well, I think it was a set of them. I think they were a married couple, actually. I wasn't sure. But they were reconstructing the skull with kind of like new imaging techniques, and they kind of laid out the exact path of the injury went through and what part of the brain it would have altered what effect it would have had and they decided yes that the damage to the brain was probably to the left and right prefrontal cortices which are part of your brain that deals with emotion and decision making which would make you more temperamental less rational when it came to social interactions etc he'd probably be more likely to lash out and say things that weren't socially acceptable. But there's another study done in 2004 where they used a re- like computer reconstruction method. And it kind of put a little question on this uh, 94 rendition. And it's this newer study says that the damage was only to the left frontal lobe. In 2012, uh-huh. the results of the newest study conclude that the incident had destroyed about 11% of the white matter in his frontal lobe and 4% of the white matter in the cerebral cortex, which has really big implications because of, like, how neurons fire and stuff like that yeah. and, like, what part of your brain in turn that affects. And I really struggled to understand that side of it. If yeah. you're a neuro person, you really want to learn more. There are some really cool medical studies yeah. posted i just I didn't understand say, them i can imagine them it. doing like a mythbuster style experiment where they have like the recreation skull and like oh my gosh and just shooting, shooting. a rod yeah because like how else would you figure it yeah, out you, you know yeah like that you would have to you have to physically yeah what happened exactly and um, adam savage is there <laughs> i know that gelatin mold for human flesh that they yeah use. yeah oh, but i gotta go um, watch mythbusters now. I know, right his behavior altercation came with the injury. So obviously whatever damaged the brain, his brain was not enough to kill him, but enough to change how he was as a person. This is huge because at the time doctors were still using phrenology, which is this uh, old like idea. Good of, old phrenology. Yeah. I'm also probably flashing you, but I really need to stretch and I'm sorry. Mm. I'm just going to sit like this for a while. <laughs> I'm basically sit, sitting in like the 90s. Yeah, has like splits. her legs fully open. <laughs> just deal with it, Kaylee. Um, Good thing it's an audio. Yeah. 
I mean, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't you. Uh, we would, y'all would be paying for this yeah. if it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to stretch every once in a while, otherwise my joints start to seize up. It's and because it's not cat's joints are like falling apart. Yes, they are. It's fine. I'm a 90 year old woman in a 23 year old's body. Um, but the bumps, the basically phrenology, like this old study believed that bumps on your skull and like different parts of your brain. Yeah dealt with different things if you've ever seen like i don't know like at a world market or marshall's like the head and it has, has like, like squared off sections yeah, drawn onto it that's like a phrenology head yeah. yeah and i mean go look at them they're hilarious there's like one i think yeah. oh, there was one i saw for a woman that was like domestic matters and it was like a huge like square yeah. of her brain and they'll just something. like feel up your head and be like oh yeah i see i see a lump in your your dishonesty area yeah like, oh that means you're a liar and you're going to hell <laughs> yeah which we also should acknowledge here that phrenology itself is a is a bunk science but if you like look at some of the old phrenology it was also a terrible justification for a lot of oh, racist yeah. ideology uh-huh. um and like people would like the the sections that you could find on people of color or minorities would be like associated with thievery or like um just these like yeah it, it was even medicine was used to Absolutely. speak against racial yeah. uh, stereotypes. So um, not only is this backdated as in it doesn't apply to medical knowledge, which is also super racist. So phrenology, though, at the time was the lay of the land. And a lot of people were really resistant to Harlow's hypothesis that your brain itself, these lobes of your brain, could affect your behavior in a different way. Mm-hmm. A lot of other doctors also thought that the frontal lobe didn't do much for your general function because i mean they'd seen other people with grave injuries to their front of their head that had walked away like during war or an injury maybe you just slammed your head into the wall too many times and they were like well obviously your frontal lobe isn't that important if this many people have damaged it and being able to walk away um i don't know if any of them had damaged it quite like phineas gage but um it, they just thought it wasn't important. So now that we know, nowadays we know that the frontal lobe contributes to almost every activity of your brain. Uh, it wasn't for a few years that other doctors started to kind of back up Harlow and say, maybe this isn't so weird. Maybe this has grounds. And there's one doctor, David Ferrier, said that he had done experience, experiments, and I hate this, by removing parts of the prefrontal lobes of monkeys. Mm-hmm. which is awful and we do not condone animal experimentation here no. he said that he was finding decidedly though different behavior when he altered certain parts of the brain in these monkeys especially the frontal lobe now due to technology and modern methods scientists understand that the frontal cortex helps us with things like language social cognition how we act our personalities and um they talk about it on criminal lines and i wanted to verify it so i did look it up um but <laughs> Um, I thought the, you were going to say verify it with me that they did it. And I was like, God, you have seen that show so many times. Why are you asking no. me if they talked about it? No, on I know they lines? did. I just verified it with <laughs> medical backing that, um, was it something Dr. Spencer Reed said? I already know it yes, is. It yes. Is. Um, it's actually the prefrontal cortex. <laughs> um, but it is found in a lot of violent criminals and serial killers that this that they had early brain injuries to this part yeah. of their head mm-hmm. like hit it too many times one or two i think there's mm-hmm. a famous one that um didn't get enough air to his brain when he was born and it's like stunted some yeah. of the growth in this part of his head because basically this is the part of your brain that monitors your inhibitions and without that impulse control a lot of serial killers and criminals 
not only they like give in to these different like sadistic desires and they cross the wires yeah. of like sex, sadism, murder, and it like all gets a little mushed around in there, and mm-hmm. they don't have the impulse control to fully con- like yeah control that. Makes sense. So, um, the incident with Gage was really the first to suggest that the frontal lobe had this effect, and the trends that we find. Um, concludes I don't know how to say this because they started looking after Gage had this incident people started paying gotcha. attention to like oh yeah. maybe we should note what's going on with prefrontal damage mm. Um, mm-hmm. and they start asking in other instances and they're finding that most things are coming back fine but that's these office examinations are not a good judge of long-term effects. Like you can sit someone down in an office and doctor's office. If you don't know them, ask them questions like what's two plus two four What's the first president of the U S George Washington. You know, you can ask yeah. them all those things, but a short conversation is not enough. And neither do you know the person well enough to judge. Oh, they have a yeah. whole per- different personality. They can't carry a conversation. You have to know them for longer yeah. than that. Uh-huh. Um, but someone who's noticed you known you your whole life is more likely to notice that. Um, but as this kind of research starts to go on, people are paying attention to it in a psychological a- psychological aspect. Some estimates say that now two-thirds of psychology textbooks mention Phineas Gage because of the early link it supplied between brain trauma and changes within personality. Most mm-hmm. modern psychology textbooks also list the cause of this case as post-traumatic social disinhibition or post-traumatic personality change. I think that one of the reasons that Gage's case is so fascinating is that this type of experimentation would and could never have been done in any other circumstance. No one is going to willingly sign up for this experiment to have a rod blown through their head. So this was like a once in a lifetime chance to see Mm -hmm. firsthand and take note of what it was. And it was a complete fluke. But if it hadn't happened, it would probably have been decades more before this topic was like opened up for discussion. Because there's no way to test any of those theories. Mm-hmm. Even that guy who was removing the prefrontal cortexes or the lobes on those monkeys wouldn't have gotten any humans to go along with his research for a yeah. while. Um, and it spurred a lot of questions about the extent that medicine could go. And it ended up paving the way for the first real, what we would consider brain surgery in 1885. Because if this guy, Phineas Gage, survived basically a huge piece of like rebar going through his skull, um, tamping rod, I should say, I should be specific. Um, <laughs> then it means you must be able to touch the brain without killing someone, which Harlow can back up because he had his fingers in great Gage's mm, brain. Yummy. Uh, stop. <laughs> um, but that means you can operate and do surgery yeah. and alter it without killing They're someone. They're like, mm, that guy stuck his fingers in someone's brain? My I turn. Wanna, I want to stick my fingers in someone's brain. I'm calling dibs next, guys. Next time we have someone come in with a railroad spike in his head. You think that guy saw, like, the newspaper article? He's like, you want to do this? He's like, I'm, I kind of want to, like, give it a shot. Hey. Let's, go that's kind of fun (laughs) yeah um and that's not to say they jumped in with sterile instruments and suddenly radicalized brain surgery and were fixing major issues i'm sure there is still they also don't know what's in the brain yeah well before exactly like you only had cadavers to tell you before and that doesn't do much to actually tell you anything so yeah but it opened a ton of possibilities in the long run and i said i would mention the photograph so there is the famous photograph. There is, if you Google Phineas Gage, we'll put it on our Twitter. Um, follow us at T-I-N-A-H-L podcast. If you want to, we're going to be nice better. Nice plug, nice plug. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. We're going to be better about uploading some of the photos where we say, oh my gosh, we should look at that, you know? Yeah. Um, there's a couple 
who collected vintage photographs for a really long time and they came across the daguerreotype of a man with a metal rod sitting next to him and they couldn't identify it. And their first guess was that he was holding a harpoon and he was probably mm. a whaler or something like that. Yeah, and that the eye sense. was probably scarred over from an encounter with a whale or an mm-hmm. incident on the ship. And they kept this photo for years, but in the late 2000, like two, I think it was like 2007 or nine or something like that, one of them posted the photo on Flickr, titling it um, Man with Harpoon. Mm-hmm. Nondescript, easy. Yeah. But a person... Yeah, old pictures get yeah. titled like that a lot. Yeah. yeah. And a person emailed them back and was like, there's no way that's a harpoon, the handle's wrong, I really don't think this guy is a whaler, but like, good try, you know? Yeah. And it took a while for someone else to come out and say, like, hey, this matches the exact description of Phineas Gage, and we don't have another actual photo of him. Like, this is the only photograph it's of It's one of Phineas those things Gage. in history. Mm-hmm. Jeez. And this photo is, like, they're not sure about it. They're like, oh, yeah, it could be. It fits the description, fits the story, all yeah. that stuff. And even though they weren't sure, the photo is less than three by four inches, which is very small. I forgot to convert that to centimeters. I'm sorry, guys. But um, How could you, cat? I know. But it didn't take long for someone to, like, take a really magnified look at the piece of metal in the picture with him. And you can make out the, just part of it, it says, through the head of Mr. Phi, P-H-I. Mm. And then it sort of cuts off, and you can't see the with the resolution. Yeah. And they check it against the metal tamping rod that's still in Harvard Medical School, which is engraved with the words, this is the bar that was shot, um, shot through the head of Mr. Phineas Gage. And the real iron bar has the name misspelled on it. Nice. Twice. Um, yeah, it's like his own thing, and he's like, he's like Oops. y'all can't even get that right. <laughs> Come on, guys. Um, and the Harvard Medical School also has a mask that was turned into a bust of the replica of Gage's face from when he was still alive. It's not a death mask. It's from when he was alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and when comparing the two, they realize that it's got to be him. So everyone widely accepts it to be Phineas Gage, but Harvard hasn't officially verified that. Mm. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll tweet that photo out. And that Ooh. is the story of how Phineas Gage kind of set off this new evolution of neuroscience that was really good cat thank you brava thank you thank you that was really good now i have to follow it up okay i'm ready i'm i'm so excited to hear okay the details of this because i've only heard like the urban legendy stuff let me tell you the urban legendy stuff is kind of all there is Um, okay it's like all sounds like an urban legend to me okay um so Cat had content warnings. I'm also going to have some content warnings. Uh, this one is kind of gross. There's a lot of mention of, like, eating weird things, a lot of body stuff. We have to go eat after this, Kaylee. Um, sorry about a cat. Guess what I had to do notes on all last night. No, so. I'm hungry enough where when we leave this room, <laughs> I won't even remember anymore. Um, so, like I said, a lot of, like, body stuff, a lot of, like consuming things that shouldn't be consumed there's also um there is some mention of like violence against animals but i'm not gonna get detailed and it's only for like a little bit okay um so if that's not your thing i'll warn you before we get to that section it's funny because like i like extensively study the holocaust and like human experimentation and like concentration in death camps and like yeah. for some reason like that stuff i can stomach because i've had so much exposure to it but now if i like see someone like kick yeah. a dog or a video of it i'm like <gasps> yeah you. it's not it's i'm not gonna describe it in a graphic way um 
but I'll still warn because I know people are sensitive to that. Understandably so. So today I'm going to be talking about this man, this French man by the name of I was. I don't know how to pronounce it. As the French would call it, it's like, it's a lot of phlegm. Is how they. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna say it in the American way, tarar, Mm -hmm. um, because I refuse to do like. I dare you. No, no, please do. Actually, this entire (laughs) entire episode should just be that. Um. So if you haven't heard of him, tarar is one of the weirdest and probably most interesting, like medical history cases that is present in history yeah. it's one of those like notorious like wikipedia articles that like everyone reads when they're like 13 um because i mean at least that's how i found out about it for I the mean, first yeah. time uh but yeah so this man whose name who goes by tarar basically had a condition where okay wait you tell me what you know now like that's that he just ate everything the urban legends of him like eating yeah children like yeah yeah. okay yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah. so this man like quite literally ate everything in his path so which there is a medical term for it isn't it yeah it's called um there's two medical terms one of them is pica i believe and that one is the urge to eat things that aren't food and so if you've ever seen the show like my strange addictions okay a lot of the people in there have like that it's like a it's more of like a mental thing okay than what he has we still don't know what he has there's like guesses but honestly there's not even that many guesses people are just like what the hell (laughs) well i know there is one where like your stomach doesn't send a signal to your brain that you're full yeah so it's like you you will literally never process and this isn't really that either because he does get full okay yeah that's what confuses me about this and thing. like because like be that clear, with that version of it the mod the modern version of that that i've seen where you can't stop eating yeah. you don't process it you're full you no. don't eat things that aren't food you're you're yeah. cognizant of what is edible and what is not you just no. don't he does get full okay um Sorry, it's I'm just not ignoring you he's, my no you're good me. uh it's just that <laughs> he's like in constant like painful hunger until he does get full like all the time basically and it takes him so much food to like fill himself up that it's like mm-hmm. a constant worry in his life as we'll get to it um there's also something called polyphagia which is a symptom yeah. not an actual like disease or like root yeah. cause it's a symptom of something else that's happening because that happens in yeah. multiple other diseases and illnesses yeah and i believe i had it written down somewhere but i let me google it real quick so i'm not lying to y'all to get the exact definition but um a polyphagia is like kind of yeah it's basically just characterized as excessive eating so that's all it is um and it's just maybe an extreme different. i thought polyphagia was maybe i'm wrong okay yeah sorry, continue no and it's just extreme hunger and like not being able to like fe- like eat enough but like he does eat enough i don't know it's interesting and that's like another thing like we don't know we don't mm. know um so that's what makes this whole case so interesting. So before we get into it, I um, just a quick note about sources. Almost everything we know about this man's life is um, from a a write up in um, a journal, a medicine journal that was published at the time uh, by his longtime doctor and friend Pierre Francois Percy, and um, so that it's a primary so source. Pierre. Yeah. Francois Percy. Pierre Francois Percy. <laughs> Beautiful. <Ta-ra. laughs> 
sounded so bad. Yeah, I'm not going to do that every time. <laughs> Yours sounded good. Mine was awful. Uh, so... Obviously, when we have all of this information coming from one source, we you kind of start to question, like, especially when something is as fantastic and, like, kind of over the top as this story is, you kind of start to question the validity of that one primary source. However, Dr. Percy, like, seems to be very reliable. Hmm. He, um, I'll just give you, like, a brief intro on him because I think that kind of adds to his credibility. He was incredibly respected at the time. He served for a long time as a very high-ranking army medic um with the french i believe it was some army in the french because it's all taking like place during kind of the revolution times um so i don't know if he was for like the french or if he was for like revolutionaries but he worked in the army Mm -hmm. and he was born probably way before the revolution but tarar was born in like the 1770s so like Okay. He's hitting his prime right as revolution's going on. Gotcha. <laughs> and Is anyone actually hitting their prime during that revolution, though? I think he really struggled. <laughs> Was anyone hitting their prime within 100 years before or after that revolution? No. <laughs> um, but he was... Regardless, he was a very high-ranking army medic um, until he got older and was basically forced to kind of stop working in the field. However, he did still work in a military hospital, and he did so as, like, the chief surgeon there, so very high-respected. Uh, He also invented several medical devices during his time in the army uh, to aid kind of serving wounded men on the battlefield. Some of those things were like, yeah, he like invented this like medical quiver, which basically like was a medical sack that had like compartments for different things that you could like sling over your back and like run out into the field. And so like invention, quote unquote, but like, yeah, it's like he came up with stuff to make things to treat people on the field like better like he is very credible very reputable Mm -hmm. so like that's what makes this whole thing like you're like that can't be real but the fact that he's just so like yeah like you can trust him makes it like crazy uh so now let's get into tarar himself so to preface everything i would like to talk about a physical description from him and I actually just pulled this from the Wikipedia article about him because they had like the best, like most summarized description of him. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to read from that. So quote, despite his unusual diet, Tarar was swim and of average height at the age of 17, he weighed only a hundred pounds. He was described as having unusually soft hair and an, and an enormous, and an abnormally wide mouth roughly four inches between his jaws when his mouth was fully extended. Four like, inches. Now like, what's that, like two? Oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I'm crazy. Here, like, measuring my jaw. <laughs> right. With, like, you got a ruler? <laughs> um, ah. Yeah. I was trying to put my phone in my mouth. That's probably super unsanitary. <laughs> Maybe this should be paid. Or this <laughs> sh- should be recorded. <laughs> like, video. <laughs> Really, what the hell? Is Kevin sitting weird in a chair, putting her phone in her mouth. <laughs> like a child. It's like a toddler over there. She's doing it the other way now. <laughs> I'm not sure which way between a jaw you were talking about, so I try both. I think it's, I don't know either, um, and either I didn't way. see anywhere where it said, either way, it's uh-huh. not four inches, Whoa, either way. <laughs> four inches across is not hard. Up and down, I can't do it. Yeah, well, your jaws are not right here. They're up and down. They're not side to side. Unless it's, like, right here. Uh, yeah, and across the same jaw. But oh, then he would have to, like, have open. To, yeah. Like, yeah, okay. Like, predator. Like, <laughs> Okay. He was described as having unusually soft hair. Oh, I already said that. 
in which so his roughly four between inches between his jaws when his mouth was fully extended in which his teeth were heavily stained and on which the teeth or the lips were almost invisible so he had very thin lips and a very wide mouth is it basically like a really creepy says. clown yeah it's like pulled from i think pierre's or not pierre uh percy's prescription of him uh so when he had not eaten the skin <laughs> ew this would be so weird isn't it the skin would hang so loosely that Stop. he could wrap the fold of his skin from his abdomen around his waist like what? that's how much extra skin so he could like take it and like his extra skin from his stomach and like that's and have it like touch in that the sounds back. like really bad skin elasticity which is funny because i have really bad skin <laughs> elasticity but like not like that it sounds like when people lose like a bunch of weight and like the skin is still there oh yeah you know yeah. that's like what i have but like a way more extreme version of that yeah but yeah. he would to be 17 and 100 pounds though that's be like, like underweight. That's underweight. There's and it's the French Revolution, so he could never have been at such a high weight. There wouldn't have been an availability of food for him to be yeah, at a weight. Yeah, that's where he like could his so stomach much. is just. That's why he has this problem with like eating enough to where he feels full because his stomach is so large. That's and so his stomach itself is what's distending. Huh. Yeah. Okay. So he's, he's actually very skinny, which is like because he's known as like the guy who ate the most in history so you wouldn't imagine like yeah. a scrawny little 17 year old no yeah um but yeah oh i should mention he was born in like the 1770s uh in yeah. lyon in france oh what i should have said that but i jumped right into the wikipedia description. i got you, I got you. Uh, um so when full his abdomen would distend like a huge balloon the skin of his cheeks was wrinkled and hung loosely and when stretched out he could hold 12 eggs or apples in his mouth he could put stop like that sounds like, like a, a freaking chickmunk that almost sounds physically like impossible like, i, I almost know feel like the doctor is all, was exaggerating like this is pulled from his description maybe chickens were so malnourished in their french revolution that they too had really small eggs and they were like the size of your thumb I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> so his body was hot to the touch and he sweated heavily. He constantly had a foul body odor. He would describe he was described as stinking, quote, to such a degree that he could not be endured within the distance of twenty paces. Uh, the smell would get noticeably noticeably worse after he had eaten. His eyes and cheeks would become bloodshot, and a visible vapor would rise from his body after he was eaten. And he would become lethargic, during which time he would belch noisily. This is all post-eating. Belch noisily, and his jaws would make swallowing motions. He had chronic diarrhea, which was said to be fetid and beyond all conception. Stop. Despite his large intake of food, he did not appear either to vomit excessively or to gain weight. Aside from his eating habits, his contemporaries saw no apparent signs of mental illness or unusual behavior in him. Other than slightly, ap- other than a slightly apathetic temperament with a quote complete lack of force and ideas, so he was a pretty simple man, is what I'm gathering. But he just has all these weird I'm trying physical to characteristics picture it, though, and I, like none of that I sounds know. like anything I've seen any semblance of in modern medicine. It's bizarre, like bizarre. But the fact, like that's it's this whole case is like that's not real, that's not real, that's not real. But like there's primary sources from reputable people so it's like 
would they just all have like gotten together and like been like we're gonna come up with some weird shit like no well, I'm also looking for like image depictions of him now. yeah the drawings of him i didn't think were like too well, they're great. all like cartoony yeah so it's like yeah you don't you don't feel like you get an actual representation of him but it's interesting either mm-hmm. way um yeah so that's his physical description so now i'm gonna go into like early life so not much is known about his like actual childhood so little is known actually that we don't even know his real name the nickname Tarar was seemed seemingly adopted by him early in his life, and he kind of always just used it. It was unclear whether or not he even liked it, and it's even more unclear if he liked it when you consider where it comes from. So the expression, uh, why he was nicknamed Tarar, comes from an expression. Um, basically, it's bum bum Tarar, which is like French, and it's supposed to be mimicking the sound of an explosion. Oh. But people used it to talk about farting. <laughs> and oh, when you no. couple that with his apparent obvious and constant flatulence that I just mentioned, mm. um, that's where he got the name Torah. So that's interesting. It was like, basically, they're calling him like farty pants <laughs> like his whole life. <laughs> I, would, I would not like that a whole lot if that yeah. was my nickname. Yeah. Um, so what we do know about his early life is pretty bleak. Like I said, he was born in Lyon in France sometime in the 1770s. His affliction seemed to have affected him his whole life, so much so that he was turned out of his home by his parents at an early age because they did not have the resources to provide enough food for him. Hmm. So I don't know if it was clear in his physical, physical description, but what would happen is he would eat until he was full and then he would like sleep while he digested. He would fall into this like deep sleep while he digested and then he would wake up and be hungry again and it was like a hunger that like ruled everything in his life so he could get full it wasn't the case of like his brain not registering when he was full but it just took so much food to get full that it was like impossible for him to stop eating unless he was given like a feast at one time wow okay yeah um so all these depictions have like a huge feast and if it's indicative of how much he actually ate then yeah i can see why they yeah like, we literally can't feed our son <laughs> yeah so because of that he did spend most of his early years on the streets of leon and begging for food uh but we're pretty sure that he was very rarely if ever likely to actually like satiate that hunger um like fully it's reported by the time that he was 17 he weighed like i said only about 100 pounds but he was able to eat a quarter of beef per day. And a quarter of beef is quite literally a quarter of a cow in a day. Oh, shit. I was like, Which, a quarter pound of beef is not a lot. That's no, fine. no. Oh, so that's my around 120 to 160 pounds of meat per day. This is when he was 17, when he weighed 100 pounds. This is, yeah, these photos are like... Yeah, the drawings are awful. <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Um, but he was consuming over his body weight easily per how, day. How? Yeah. It's like literally crazy. <laughs> um, eventually, during his time on the streets, he figured out that his pension for eating can earn him some money. And he joined a traveling group of performers, right. not P.T. Barnum Circus. Um, yeah, I don't Just some random group in yet. France. Yeah. <laughs> um, and included his crazy eating as part of the act. Uh, so he would demonstrate his ability to eat just massive, massive amounts of food at the time. But he was also demonstrating his ability to eat basically anything. Part of the act was that he would ask and like kind of challenge the audience 
to like bring him something he couldn't eat. Oh, One of okay. the most famous stories from that part of his life. <laughs> I found a really gross picture. I was gonna say. I'm putting um, my phone down now. <laughs> uh so one of the really famous stories from that part of his life is that he was like performing on the street in a village and someone brought him a bushel of apples and he stuffed 12 apples on each side of his mouth and then swallowed them all whole. <gasps> no wonder this dude is indigestion. What the <laughs> Right? And I just am like Also don't apples that seems contain a little... like a chemical in them that if you eat too much if it'll actually eat... make you like sit. Like if you eat apple seeds have cyanide in them, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Or is it peach pits? Uh, I think it's, I don't know, but isn't there, oh no, it's the chemical compound that helps you dream really vividly. Oh. Hmm. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. But, yeah. But yeah, either way, 12 a- apples is probably not, not, actually, how many is a bushel? I don't actually know. I don't know how many, but it's like a freaking, I don't know, I brought up a barrel of apples. He's okay. like, what, you think I, I'm gonna have a problem with this? No. No. <laughs> uh, ba 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 so, yeah, so I'm not sure how truthful that story was, but it is one of, like, the biggest stories from this, mm. this part of his life. Ew. So he's living on the streets. He's having a rough go at it, joins the circus, hopefully to make some money, make some money, freak some people out. It's all a good time. Yeah. He soon realizes that he's, like, he gets this great idea. He's, like, if I join the military, they have to give me food because <laughs> <laughs> rations are a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so but he. I, I mean, soldiers' rations are usually not that great either, though. Oh, definitely not in the French Revolution. Yeah. Yeah, but I guess it's better than, like, literal trash. That's Which true. is what he was eating before. Um, so he joins the French Revolutionary Army, who is, at the time, embroiled in the War of the First Coalition, which is kind of an offshoot of the French Revolution, uh, the Revolutionary War. And they're, like, fighting with Prussia and Austria mm-hmm. because, like, louis the 16th like tried to fly flee to there and blah 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 it's like a whole okay um but that's like a summary and you don't need to know more than that i still don't (laughs) always i rarely understand what the actual french revolution is like if you ask me about it i'm like a revolution like i cannot i mean that's there's just so much that happened and it spread out over so long yeah like i like telling me like the like coalition and all i'm like "Mm -mm." yeah well because there's like the french revolution and then there's reign of terror and those are two different things right yeah it's it's annoying but um, so even with this guaranteed access to food obviously these rations were not providing providing enough food for him and so he began to take on like any task that he could from his fellow soldiers to kind of in in return for food and like picking up mm-hmm. like what they leave behind uh however it was still not enough so he essentially became malnourished and was admitted to a military hospital and when he got there he's been described as being sickly and lethargic and so the doctors were like yeah or the military guys were like yeah you gotta you gotta go to the hospital that so he goes metabolism. to this Oof. yeah <laughs> he goes to this hospital and here's where he meets dr percy so upon admissions to the hospital the doctors there were like well this guy obviously needs more food so they quadruple his rations however he would still go and eat whatever leftover food he could from patients um and stuff like that and like i said this is the hospital where him and dr perry began to work together so during this his time at the hospitals doctors would submit him to a variety of tests to examine his conditions and the limits of what he consumed. I'm really curious what these tests looks like in the <laughs> French Revolution Basically, era. Basically, what it was was 
them putting shit in front of him and being like, eat it. And him like, <laughs> and him being like, okay. <laughs> that's that sound like that, a bad gig for him, That's what it was. Like, I'll get to it, but that was what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, this is where we have the graphic animal part. So skip ahead 30 seconds mm-hmm. if you don't want to hear this. So he, during his time at the hospital, it is reported that he consumed whole cats in front of doctors. And then he would cough up what can only be described as a hairball oh my god because he would just eat them oh my god like a oh my god someone one podcast was listening to that did it described it as an owl pellet like ew like the bones oh my god stop yeah i'm sorry about that um he also ate whole dogs snakes and eels in the same way and that's it for the animal stuff (laughs) but did the doctors like knowingly like set this on the table in front of him like did they even try to cook it? Like, is I, it wrong? No, no, no. It's like, like pure, like live, live. Ew. Oh my God. No. Yeah. Uh. No, it's not cooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just lay here for a minute. Yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's pretty gross. It's pretty gross. I told you it's gross. Yeah, I know. I was like listening when I was at work the other day, you know, I listened to podcasts there. So I was like, oh, I'll do, I'll like listen to one to like get a jump start in my research. And I was like standing in our traveling exhibit and I was like, oh my oh, God. That's Yikes. A lot happening right now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, told you it was whack. I trusted you and I knew you were correct. But, like, for some reason, just imagining it made it a lot worse. Yeah, no. Okay, so during, while he was there, the doctors, another thing they would do, basically, they said, we want to watch you eat, which is why they let the animal stuff happen, because we're like, you're going to do that? <laughs> okay okay i guess we'll sit here and take notes <laughs> um so some of the other kind of tests that the doctors did was just seeing kind of the limit of how much he could eat one time he was uh reported to eat two whole meat pies and four gallons of milk in one sitting four Bro. gallons of milk you remember that challenge on YouTube? Yeah, where people were in like, like 2014 and dying. Yeah. when they had to chug a gallon of milk. Just Whoa. one. And they couldn't even make through half of it? No. Yeah. This man sat there and drank four. And it's like unpasteurized, like thick, Ew, stop. rich, <laughs> creamy milk. Yeah. And two meat pies for one time. At another meal, they literally put a feast made for 12 people in front of him. And he sat down and ate it all. Yes. That's crazy. I'm, I'm just a little shook. Yeah. And so this next part is also rough. Uh, it is a content warning about human stuff. Um, however, I'm not sure if it happened at this hospital or he does visit a hospital again later in his life. So I'm not sure which hospital it happened at, but I thought I would put it in here. Mm-hmm. Um, because since we're talking about all this stuff. <sighs> uh, despite this... You know, the hospital obviously could not afford to make him a feast for 12 people, you know, every day. So he would often have to resort to finding his own source, sources of food. I mm, don't like and, where this is headed. Okay, skip, skip 30 seconds if you're squeamish. Several times, the staff at the hospital reported finding him drinking from buckets collected no. from bloodletting. So Oh, would, that's so much worse than I thought. They would let like do bloodletting like Stop. procedures Stop. and then they would like leave the blood there and they would find him drinking it 
Water wasn't good enough for you, buddy? That gets me more than the milk. What is it? Is it soup to you? (laughs) (laughs) Thicker than water is a soup? So, and also he was apparently caught on more than one occasions in the morgue consuming pieces of the corpses. Like, this is documented. Doctors mm-hmm. documented it. Several, several reports were that he caught, he was caught doing that. Yeah. So, this guy literally would was willing to eat anything and everything. And this is not a new thing. It had been known for years that he was willing to eat rotten meat of, like, roadkill or thrown at food or whatever. It was just food. So, he was able to consume it. But these are, like, the first reports of cannibalism that we know of. And like I said, I'm not sure if it was at this hospital. I think it might have been at that second hospital now that I think about it. Um, But regardless, something in his life was going very wrong. (laughs) Like, did you find anything on clinical vampirism? No, I did not. Okay. So when he, like I said, when he did manage to fill himself with food, he would reportedly fall into a deep sleep until it was all digested. His ability to consume literally anything... And this is a fun part. This is a fun part. His con- ability to consume literally anything soon attracted the attentions of higher ups in the military, who thought he might have potential as a potential or might have potential as a spy or courier for the Revolutionary Can Army. Can eat everything you send with him to deliver. So they did a little test. We're like, okay, well, this guy's in the military, so let's see if we can use him because we're military people, and that's how we treat human beings Mm. um Mm. they asked him to swallow a wooden so his mission was to for him to swallow a small wooden box with a note on it and take it across the border into prussia and have it delivered to a captured colonel who um was on like from the french side so they did do a trial run with this uh kind of thing and like had him eat the box (laughs) and pass it as humans pass things. But like um, a whole a whole box. A like, whole wooden that would be box. Painful. Yeah. I don't think I he's eating weirder shit, so I think this is like least of his worries. Yeah, but and the other thing is like probably more organic matter that could be passed no, and digested. Like he eats weird shit. Like he eats bones. That's true. If he ate a full ass dog then Yeah. Ugh. Okay. Um so they were like, Can you do this? And apparently reportedly he was like, Yeah, like duh. Like, it was, like, not a big deal. He's like, yeah, no problem. But they still ran their little experiment. It came out. They were able to read the note. Um, So they're like, okay, cool. Sends him on the spy mission. He's disguised as a peasant. Sends him over the border to Prussia. And if you don't know, that's now Germany. Um, However, even though he was able to, like, hold notes in a place that no one can get to, um, he's, like, every other part of him was, like, not built to be a spy. He's so distinct. (laughs) And so noticeable that he, like, there was no way he couldn't attract attention. Yeah. And apparently, he also couldn't speak German. So he, like, when people That's would, a kind of a dead giveaway. Yeah, when he got, like, into Prussia and people would be, like, trying to talk to him, he would be, like, uh. <laughs> and he acted apparently so weird that they just eventually reported him to, like, the Prussian, like, police. Epic fail. Yeah, and he uh, got arrested. So, only after a few days, he was uh, reported to the police and captured. So, despite his other flaws with being a spy, apparently he was pretty good at, like, holding, like, holding his ground and, like, not revealing information. And, like, he went through beatings while he was in jail. Like, they knew he was a spy, so, like, they were very mean to him. Mm -hmm. And he, like, apparently was 
thought to have held on to that information for 24 hours, which is pretty impressive considering he's like, I don't know, just some dude they plucked off the street to do this basically. Um, And it was only actually until the hunger like got to a breaking point that he, because they like quickly realized that he was very food motivated. Yeah. Um, So that he actually like broke and revealed why he was there. So he tells the Prussian cops basically, he's like, explains this whole thing and they're like, and they're like i guess the conversation like hi i'm a impulsive eater i literally can't stop (laughs) there's Um, a little box with a note in my digestive tract right now right now you give me like an hour or two in some more food i'll get it out so that's what they do no they're like well we gotta see if he's lying to us serious so they like hold on to him until he passes the box and they see it fortunately the note was not actually any information it was more of just a like hey, let us know if you get this note as, like, a first time to make sure that, like, a test this, run. Yeah, this could actually work. Um, but, yeah, that's what they did. So instead of keeping him captive, they decided they would rather let the French deal with him and basically kicked him across back the, like, back across the border. The punishment um, is sending him back to eat And when you food. think about, no, like, literally, because they're like, we can't afford to feed you, like, as oh much as you need to be fed. Uh, so that was his like brief spent or stint as a spy. That's pretty fun. <sighs> so when he got back to France, he very quickly was admitted to another hospital, and where he got back in contact with his old friend Dr. Percy. And this time he, uh, this time, Dr. Percy and a group of doctors were attempting to kind of cure him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this point, his hunger had advanced so far that he was eating used bandages stop yeah and so that's why i think now that i think of it that gross stuff with like the blood and the dead bodies is probably in this section yeah of his life because his he's gotten so desperate to eat whatever's in yeah. front of him and if he's eating used bandages what's stopping him from drinking yeah. blood and eating rotting corpses um yeah. <laughs> so yeah uh, so all these doctors were like, we're going to see if we can find a cure. And Dr. Percy is like his man. Like Dr. Percy tries to figure this shit out for him. He feels so bad. Because when you think about it, like it's kind of sad. Like he was born this way and he's just like yeah. a slave to this weird condition that he has. Yeah. Uh, but so they attempted a few treatments. These included dosing him with opium, hoping that would kind of like satiate him. Mm-hmm. Um, giving him a combination of tobacco pills and sour wine. I think to like keep like not wanting him like yeah to upset your stomach and so you yeah. wouldn't want to like eat anything and a diet of boiled eggs i'm not sure what that came from but i don't know <laughs> maybe like an old wives tale or something. yeah maybe um so during this time he still wasn't getting enough to eat so he started sneaking out of the hospital to eat whatever scraps he could basically hunt down on the street hmm. um to kind of supplement his uh eating and again this is why i kind of think that maybe i misplaced those section of the notes because if he was doing all of this stuff he likely was doing that stuff too so uh he was caught so people at the hospital kind of tolerated him they were thought he was like weird and like the morgue thing it was like okay like that's weird but like they're dead if it was my hospital he would have been out of there before any of that shit happened yeah, but Dr. Percy was, like, like I said, like, he was his guy. Like, he was yeah. his man, and he, like, fought tooth and nail. He was, like, this man has a condition. 
he needs to be taken care of. Okay, that's and that's fair. I yeah, guess. and I so he like, like really wanted him not to stay in a hospital, but to go to like a mental institution, um, to be like treated because obviously something is wrong. Yeah, this is not like a yeah. I'm just really hungry today. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is where we do get the rumors of like actual legit like he killed a child and consumed yeah. it. So Dr. Perry is like defending him or Perry, Dr. Perry, Dr. Percy is like defending him and defending him. Uh, but like, he's really trying to like keep other doctors on board. However, there's one instance that the rumors against him just became too great to fight. So one morning it was discovered that a 14 month, whoa, a 14 month old child had gone missing. And though no one ever formally accused him or accused him at all, really, there was never and and there was never any evidence of this actually happening. Popular opinion basically determined that Tarar had killed and eaten the child. Yeah. So, and that's to the point with Doctor Percy's like, I can't defend you from that. Like, but if like, you these people had, he, if he was showing like psychopathic tendencies, you would think that people would have caught on earlier. I don't think he's showing like psychopathic because he's never killed anyone. You know what right. I mean? He just was so desperate to eat that he would eat literally anything i guess then if you're that blinded by it like not even rational yeah. like i, can't I don't know hurt people in my pursuit food i don't i because it was never it never crossed the line into humans because it was yeah. france in the 1790s so like okay the cat and dog thing sucks but they were still animal you know what i mean well, like there are multiple times in history when cannibalism has become a survival yeah. method for the common people yeah like and it's not a i'm vindictive Mm -hmm. i want to eat a human it's there's literally nothing yeah and if he wanted he like chose to actively like go to the morgue and consume dead human flesh if he wanted to he could have killed and eaten fresh humans yeah you know what i mean like if he had that desire to kill Mm -hmm. people so i just like i don't really see it happening however like well then why would you kill a kid and do it yeah an adult and yeah exactly yeah i think i don't think he was a bad person he just was very very yeah exactly so but popular opinion had just basically like in the court of that like Mm-hmm. he was done for and dr percy like tries he might he's like i can't save I you can't from that you. like yeah. everyone here thinks you did it so i'm sorry so he gets kicked out of the hospital we know basically nothing about the next four years of his life um but we can only assume that he was living on the streets like he had to do so many times before mm-hmm. four years later when he was 24 he turned up in a hospital in versailles on the verge of death he's sick um, and it's worth noting that despite his, like, you know, incredible hunger, there was never any other thing that was, like, physically wrong with him. He wasn't very sickly. Yeah. He didn't contract a lot of diseases. It was, like, this one thing that was, like, hmm. wrong with him. He, you know, like, he, de- it's not like he had disease after disease. He was right. pretty healthy otherwise. Um, so this is the first time, like, we've seen him, like, sick. And, uh, so desperate, he begged for Dossie, What? He begged for Dr. Perry to be sent for. And so Dr. Oh my God, I did it again. Dr. Percy. Um, He begged for Dr. Percy to be sent for. And so Dr. Percy being like a homie came through. And so he goes all the way to Versailles and he's like, I'm going to see, like, I'm going to treat him. Like we're going to see what's going on. So when he arrived, Terrar was in the worst condition that Dr. Percy had ever seen him in. And he was basically on the brink of death. 
Oof. And Terrar was convinced that his illness had was caused by a golden fork that he had stolen and eaten two years prior, and it was lodged somewhere in his digestive tract. Well, f- maybe. Maybe, right? I'm like, mm, Bro. that makes sense. However, it was not the case. Um, and pretty soon, Dr. Percy is able to conclude that he has a very severe case of tuberculosis. Within a few days of Dr. Percy's arrival at the hospital in Versailles, Versailles, Terrar passed away, and um, you said he was only twenty. End of his story. He was twenty six. Twenty six. Yeah. Oh, that's right. He went missing for a few years. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm surprised that the hunger didn't take him out. It was just I know. tuberculosis. That's like a normal thing to die of in 1790s. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> whoa. Mm-hmm. Um. Jeez. So. Obviously, the doctors at the hospital were like, well, we got to do an autopsy. Yeah, we got to see what the hell is going on with this guy. So they perform an autopsy. The thing is, apparently his flesh decomposed at a, like, accelerated rate. So rapidly, in fact, that, like, the smell was so overwhelming, like, by the time they could get to him to do an autopsy, that, like, no one wanted to do it. Only one doctor there was willing to do it. Um... And it was, like, the head guy. And so they they do the autopsy. They find that... Uh, Where did I have this down? The liver, gallbladder, and stomach were all unusually large, with the stomach taking up the majority of the chest cavity. Um, all, all of those organs were filled with a yellow pus. That almost sounds right. Like, right, to like, have something in, like, maybe fungal or... I, I'm not a doctor, guys. But, yeah. like, something in your body that's causing things to deteriorate mm-hmm. faster from bone mass to yeah. stomach to flesh to, like, yeah. processing your food. And that would explain, if it's in your system, why when you died, mm-hmm. your flesh is decomposing faster. Yep. So, they were never able to find that golden fork. Um, but so they did the autopsy and apparently that's as far as the doctor who did it could actually do before the smell just became overwhelming and he wasn't able to continue with the procedure anymore. Um, so unfortunately if he had been able to perform like a full autopsy, we might know a little bit more. Um, but that doesn't sound like anything else else I've ever seen. So even if they did a full autopsy, I'm not sure who knows, like find like, yeah, name for that. Um, so to this day, we aren't exactly sure what he could have been infected with. There are some theories, such as possibly a type of diabetes that left him unable to process glucose into proteins. But again, he did, he was able to get full. Yeah. So I'm not convinced that it's one of those things where it's just like his body's not recognizing yeah. that he's full. Um, the most that we know is that he had the symptom of polyphagia and yeah, we don't know like what disease he had and- that's that's crazy. it's crazy what me is so like mind blowing is that you're sitting here like that's not real that's not I real know. that's it not real. Sound real but it comes from a pretty credible source like in my opinion so it's just like what and it, well like, if that many doctors seem to verify it then it's like okay you have to at least pay a little heed to it but like yeah dang i know it seems unfa- and everything that we don't have previous experience with seems unfathomable yeah like phineas gage surviving uh-huh. seems unfathomable but yeah like, no like that's it's it's bizarre and you do feel bad for him to a certain point because like yeah he was just living his life it's was not his fault that he no yeah so so that is the story of beautiful 
That was a great pronunciation. I and that was a great took story. French for a long time. <laughs> if uh, you can't I tell. Can, I can tell. But yeah, that was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for teaching me more about... Thank you for teaching me more about Phineas Gage. I can say that in American. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) These guys are like moving. Have you noticed that? Oh, it's move out day in my apartment. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. There's been a ton of U-Hauls around here. Mm. Um, Oh, that's right. 31st. Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, we are going to be out of here early, guys. It is... We're at 127. Oh, that's... I love how when we first started this, we were like 45 minutes tops per episode. Now we're 45 minutes each. Yeah. Minimum. It's history. It's history. We got to talk yeah. a lot. Well, and as we dig more into them, I mean, and it's also like events versus people becomes mm-hmm. really interesting because like yeah. events, there's so much to talk about. And even then, you know, you can't yeah. be in all of it. So you have to like uh-huh. choose which parts of an event you talk about, which mm-hmm. is hard, but... Yeah. Well, thank you so much, guys, for sticking around and listening to us. Yeah. And we hope... Well, I hope that my story didn't gross you out too much because it was a lot. And I understand that. So hopefully you weren't eating dinner. Yeah. Um, we should, yeah. Have put a, should have put a ew warning at the beginning of this episode in general. I, well, yeah. We I was like, I did before my story. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, thanks yeah. for sticking around. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's Please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Every, every review that you leave, leave is one more meal for Tarar. Pour one out for the homie. One more it's non-human meal for Tarar. I mean like a proper like 12 course yeah. feast. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. And like we and... said earlier, our Twitter is at T-I-N-A-H-L podcast. We're going to try to be posting more photos and stuff. So mm-hmm. if you want, I mean, probably not enough Tarar eating. Things. Yeah, I was going to say. But the drawings Gage. Of, uh, y'all can look that up if we want to, but we're not going to provide you drawings of weird stuff weird people stuff, have drawn yeah. of him. Um, yeah. And if you have thoughts, comments, questions, anything about this episode, we'd love to hear from you. Our Gmail is this is not a history lecture at gmail.com. And, and that's about it. We'll be back next week with more fun history. and That's what we say. Fun. Quote yeah. Unquote. Interesting history. <laughs> In the meantime, just remember that this has not been a history lecture. Bye. Bye.